Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Get ready for the word now in Luke 19, 12. The Bible says, He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Occupy Till I Come. Pray with me. God, thank you for your promise. Thank you for your commands. God, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you will hide me behind the cross today and strengthen my body, God. Heal my voice, Lord. Give me the ability to say what you'd have me to say and give us ears to hear what you have to say to us today is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Occupy till he comes. All right, we're going to look at a parable this morning. I've talked a lot about parables over the years. If you've been here, you've heard us, uh, you've heard us go through a lot of different parables together. And a parable, uh, we get the word parable from uh, a Latin and a Greek word uh, that mean to lay alongside, to compare something side by side. And many people define a parable as a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus spoke exclusively at the end of his ministry in parables. And I've dubbed that teaching style first natural, then spiritual. He would talk to farmers in natural terms about farming to try to get them to understand spiritual truths. And sometimes people are blessed by reading parables, and sometimes people are confused by reading parables. And the difference is in the way they try to understand them. Some people take a parable to the extreme and they try to say, okay, well, there was a man, so that must represent this, and there was a kingdom, so that must represent that, and there were servants, and that must represent this, but over here, there was, there was this mean person, and that must, listen, when you start trying to assign too much value to every single part of a parable, you miss the big point, and I've told you for years that every parable in the Bible has primarily how many big points? One big point is what Jesus was trying to get through. He wasn't talking. Listen, I was, I was telling uh, Dina this earlier this week. When Jesus was on the earth, they didn't have computers. They couldn't Google what 7,000 uh, commentators said about every phrase. They didn't have people uh, breaking it down. They were barbaric people that were lower thinking than we are. They, they weren't sifting through hundreds of volumes of commentary uh, trying to figure out what every single uh, phrase meant. They were trying to get the point. If you don't do anything this morning, hear me well, get the point. Look at somebody say, get the point. We want to get the point out of this parable. How many parables did Jesus teach recorded in the Bible? Anybody? 38. Uh, So there's just something free for you. Go look them all up. Um, Write write a dissertation on all 38 of them. I'll let you come to Olive Garden on Tuesday night and I'll buy you dinner. But this parable that we're looking at in Luke 19 is called by most theologians and authors the parable of the pounds. And pounds was a measure of weight for money. So this is talking about the money, the, the, the things that uh, were, were given to people. Let's, let's look again in verse 12. It says, he said, Jesus is teaching. So Jesus said, and he goes into this parable. A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. So Jesus breaks off on his teaching. He's wanting to make a, a big point to the people that he's teaching So he throws this story at them. A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Now, if we as Christians are looking at the Bible and we're thinking about uh, someone who is a king, who might that most probably be? Jesus. And then he said, and then he will return. So (coughs) he came from a long way away, established a kingdom left and promised a return. Do you see anything about Jesus in that? 
Okay, so we, we're using our minds. you got to think through this stuff with me. This is a teaching hour. Verse 13 said, Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I am gone. Now, I read that in a more modern translation now. The first time I read it was the verse where he said, He told them, Occupy till I come. Here he says, Invest this for me while I am gone. I want you to understand God is looking for a return on his investment. The things that he gave to them, he gave them a bunch of money. And he said, I want you to invest this for me while I'm gone. I'm coming back and I want to return on my money. I'm giving you stuff. I want you to grow it. See, here's, here's the difference between management and leadership. Management take what you give them and maintain it. Leaders take what you give them and grow it. God's looking for leaders. God's looking for you to be a leader in his kingdom. He's looking for you to be one of his servants. Now, before he left, let's, let's realize we're talking about Jesus. Before Jesus left this earth, he called together ten of his servants. Why ten? Hmm, I wonder. Is ten, maybe that's like because the number nine means this and the number one, no, that wouldn't work. If the number eight stands for this, well, if the number five stands for grace and five times two is ten, so it's double grace on the life of these people, what, what does somebody that's been around and heard me teach this before, what does the number ten probably signify here? Nothing. It's just ten. It, it's, it's ten. it could have been 11. It could have been 184. It could have been 9,316. Okay, this is where people get messed up. Don't get messed up in the minutia. Okay, don't, don't get bogged down in the details of a parable because it's trying to teach primarily how many points. One big point is coming. So this is just part of the story. Now, thank God we don't watch movies like this. I like action movies. Y'all know my boy is that dude, uh, what's his name? Gerard Butler. I love Gerard Butler. That dude is, is the one. Him and Russell Crowe, Gerard Butler's the new age Russell Crowe. He's, he's, he's Russell Crowe 2.0. But uh, I'd I love to watch action movies. I'm so glad that, you know, when King Leonidas takes his helmet off and throws it down on the beach, I'm glad I don't have to wonder. Now, how many retarded Christians just paused the movie right there and said, I wonder why he threw his helmet down with his right hand, and it looked like it bounced when he hit the sand. What does that bounce signify? You understand how getting tied down in a minutia will mess you up in the story? Okay? That didn't signify nothing, but he was taking his helmet off. So, all right, let's keep moving. Get out of Leonidas and get back into Scripture. So he calls these people together. He calls his servants together. I hope you see yourself as a servant of the Lord. Too many people just want God to be their Savior, but they don't want Jesus to be their Lord. Too many people just looking for a free pass out of hell, but they don't want to give God control of their life. That's a different message for a different time. But this is about a king who calls his servants and gives them stuff. Say stuff. He divides among them ten pounds of silver. He takes a big bunch of money. He says, here you go. Here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go to 10 people, and there you go. And he said, now here's the deal, I'm leaving. Take what I've given you and invest it. The King James, I love how the King James says it. It says, occupy until I come. Now that word occupy, same, same uh, Greek word that uh, this translation, New Living Translation, gives us the word invest. It means do the work of a barter. Do the work of somebody in business. Go out there and be serious about making a Listen, if you're in business, then you're in business to do business. You, you, nobody goes into business and say, you know what I just really like to do? I just like to open up a hamburger stand and lose all my money uh, that I saved up my whole life, run through my retirement, and just be broke. That, that's not how people, now sometimes it happens, but they don't go into business for that. You need to be in this thing to win this thing. The things that God has given you, you need to be using as an investment to grow it. Say grow. He said invest this for me while I'm gone. I want to tell you something. The majority of people who claim to be servants of God. Who have been given stuff by God. Because nothing you have you got on your own. That's why there should be no proud Christians. There should be no arrogant Christians. There should be no Christians looking down their nose at less fortunate people. Because if it wasn't for God's grace that would be you. That would be me. 
Everything we have is a gift from God. And the thing, and you may not feel like you have much, that makes you ungrateful. Check. Is this on? If you don't think you have a lot, then you are, by definition, ungrateful to the Most High God for what He's given you. You're not grateful for the air you have in your lungs. You're not grateful for the heart that you have that still beats in your chest. We have more than we know. And we got to get to the place where we see what God has given us and we obey his command to invest it for him while he's gone. Verse 14 says, but his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we do not want him to be our king. Now we could pause the movie right there and say, okay, now, so we're talking about church people, but there's certain people in the church that really fake un, un, undercover no, uh, liars, and, and they hate him, and uh, let, let's, let's don't get bogged down in this. Listen, some people are right, some people are wrong. He's, he's trying to make a point, and, he, and he's building the story by saying there was a group of people that hated him, and they said, we, we don't want him to be our king. That's the majority of people you'll ever run into. See, same people. God, God gave them life today. God let them wake up today. God, God don't have them in a hospital or a prison today. Or if they are in a hospital or a prison today, God still gave them breath today. And, 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 and they, they are not wanting to recognize him as king. I don't know who you are here today as, as far as are you a servant or are you a hater. I don't know if you're really uh, looking at the Lord as your God and king or if you're just like, nah, I ain't with that. And you're just here for whatever reason. Uh, but there's always that crowd. Verse 15 says, after he was crowned king, he returned and called the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. Okay, so Jesus came to this distant land from heaven. He established a kingdom. He gave us gifts. The Bible says that God has given every uh, Christian a gift. You have a gift. You have a supernatural talent residing in you. You need to find out what it is and use it for God's glory. Then he goes away, <coughs> and one day he's coming back. That's the good news. Amen? <coughs> one day he's coming back. Here in the story, he returns, and he calls the servants to whom he had given the money, and he wanted to find out what their profits were. I want to tell you something. The Bible says that a lot about judgment, and there's lots of different types of judgment, two major judgments in the Bible that everybody's going to be at one or uh, of one of these two judgments. The great white throne judgment is a judgment for unsaved people where the Bible says that the Lord will open up his book of life and prove to them your name is not in here, you can't live in heaven, depart into everlasting punishment, and that's hell forever uh, with, 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 no, with no other chance to get out. The other major judgment is the judgment seat of Christ or the believer's judgment where this very thing will happen. We will stand before our king and he will say, all right, I want to find out what your profits were. I want to find out what you did with the life I gave you. And the Bible says that everything that we've done in our lifetime will be judged by the Lord for the purpose of receiving rewards or losing rewards. It's not to see if you get into heaven. It's to see how much rewards you get for heaven. See, if you did the right thing with the right heart attitude for the Lord, you're going to get a reward for it. You might have done the right thing with a bad attitude, and you're going to get that reward taken away from you. So here is this picture of the believer's judgment in verse 15. Verse 16 goes on to say, The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money, and I made ten times the original amount. Well, that sounds awesome, but I want you to understand, all this person has done is what he was commanded to do. Uh, put, put verse 13 back on the screen for me, Dick. Look, look at the last thing he said before he left. Invest this for me while I'm gone. Now put the verse we were just at on there for me, Dick. He said, Master, I invested your money. He didn't do anything above and beyond what he was told to do. He simply did what he was told to do. Listen, this is going to revolutionize your life if you will listen to this and apply this. If you would just do what you're told to do, life would get better. See, I, my children live by that motto. My children understand first time what? Every time. I'll repeat myself. First time, every time. I told you to do it, just do it. Life will go easier for you. 
Nobody sit here and have no harassment with me about what I told you to do. I'm not here to keep reminding you what you're supposed to do when I, first time, every time. If you do what you're supposed to do, life will get better for you. Oh, I wish you could have seen me in the Army. Sergeant Major, I, I was, man, I, I was 165 pounds. I was 60 pounds lighter. I was a lean, green, killing machine. I, I, I kept winning soldier of the quarter. Every quarter was soldier of the year. I wish we could have served together and you could have seen it. That's my boy soldier of the year. The reason why I had that success, uh, is it easy to be soldier of the year on a 6,000-member post? That, 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 that's one dude. The reason that, that that happened for me, because I was raised by somebody who told me, you better do what you're told. See, my mama didn't negotiate with children. She, she didn't have, uh, listen, ask my mama why. If you ask my mom why today, she probably hit you. And you, don't even, you. She might not even know you. She just had a chain reaction. Chain reaction. What? Why? Because I said so. Now clean them teeth up and, and do what I said. Man, I went in the military. Hey, they said stand up. Guess what I did? They said sit down. Guess what I did? Do what you're told to do. Now, see, ignorance, okay? I mean, I wish I had a whole hour to talk about ignorance. Ignorance refuse to do what they're told to do. You a man just like, I ain't trying, I ain't studying you. I ain't asked you to stud me. Just do what you're told. Do the right thing, and life will go better. We're going to see it here. All this man did was what he was told to do. I invested your money and made 10 times the original amount. Now, if I shared some uh, stock information with some friends and we all made 10 times what we invested in 2018, uh, the smart people would be like, man, I wish he'd have told me about that so I could have invested in it. See, the reality is, we invest, but we don't control the up or down of it. All you can do is invest. The Bible in Proverbs 16 says we're the ones that throw the dice, but God determines how they fall. All this man did what he told to do. It, it, it made ten times the original amount. That don't mean he did any better than everybody else did. He just did what he was told to do, uh, and, and God gave the increase. That's what the Bible says. One man plants, another man waters, but God gives the increase. You're not responsible for your return. You're responsible for your obedience. They were told to invest. This man was happy to report, Master, I invested your money and made 10 times the original amount. Now, maybe he did work harder. Maybe he did uh, was smarter. We don't know. That's not the main point, so let's keep moving. Number 17. The king says, Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you, so you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. Now, I don't want to get off track because my voice is on fire, but that many theologians believe this is referencing the millennial kingdom. See, here's what's going to happen. One day Jesus is going to come back uh, to get his church. It's going to be followed by a time of horrible tribulation, seven-year tribulation, three and a half years of peace, uh, three and a half years of God's wrath, and then there's going to be a big giant battle. You can call it Gog, Magog, Armageddon, whatever movie you want to throw at it. Uh, and then there's going to be a thousand years. It's called the millennial reign of Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus will make peace to the whole earth. There'll be a thousand years uh, of, of his peace. He's going to rule. He's going to reestablish his throne in the city of David and going to have a, a millennial reign, a thousand-year reign, and we, his children, will be part of his government, okay? Now, at the end of that thousand-year reign, this is why you got to decide what, what name you want to call all these wars, because at the end of this thousand-year reign, um, there's going to be the war to end all wars, and the devil's going to get loosed out because the devil's going to be tied up in chains for a thousand years, peace for everybody, and then the devil gets loosed out, what a movie this is, and he, but it's real, and then they fight a big last battle, the whole earth gets burned up by fire, a new heaven and a new earth come, and then we enter into eternity, okay? But in that thousand years, 
Jesus is going to be king over the whole world, and we, his real children, not fake, phony, shady people in church, we, his real children, are going to be part of his government. And some people, some people are going to be mayors. Some people are going to be governors. Some, some people are going to be over one city. Some people are going to be over uh, ten cities. Some people are going to be uh, sweeping streets. Amen? Hallelujah. Don't matter what you do as long as you do it. You want to be part of this. So Jesus, this, this is a, a reference to that. Most theologians believe. But that's not the big point. The big point is the dude did what he was told to do. God increased it ten times. He said, you've been faithful with little, so you'll be uh, governor over ten cities. Here's, Here's the point. Are you faithful with what you have? If you're faithful with little, God, the Bible says, God will raise you up to be ruler over much. If you're faithful for what you have, see, here's why complaining people never get anywhere. They're not being faithful with what they have. They're not investing what they have. They're not using what they have for God's glory. This man did what he was told to do. Then when the time to stand before the master came, he was able to give a good report, and he was told, you are a good servant. I want to tell you something. When I get to the judgment seat, I want God to tell me I was a good servant. I I, I don't want to hear anything else. When it comes your time to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, to take an account for the things, as, as 1 Corinthians says, that you've done in your life. Uh, you, you want him to say, you did good. And, 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 and you want his blessing on your life. Now, I've heard people say, I don't care what happens to me. I don't care if I lose all my rewards and I don't get in. I get in by the skin of my teeth with my britches on fire. Uh, as long as I get Listen, if you really love God, that ain't how you want to meet him. I believe that we're going to stand. I believe one day I'm going to stand before God and Jesus is going to look me in my face and he's going to say, Scott Becker, I left this heaven that you're standing in. I left the communion with my Father that I'd had through all eternity past. And I came down to the earth as wicked and it was evil. And they beat me and they stripped me naked and they crucified me and they spit on me. And I, I, I died and I rose from the dead. Now let's look and see what you've done for me. I don't want to be empty handed. At the judgment seat of Christ. I, I, want to, I want to gain rewards. I want him to bless me. I want to be faithful with whatever he gives me. Because I want him to bless me. Not so I can have. I, I've heard people say. Oh man you know. That brother going to be walking around with crowns on his head in heaven. Because the Bible says there are crowns that we can earn. Through doing the right things. And people are like. Oh they're they just going to have jewels in their crowns. They're going to be decked out in heaven. They, they haven't read the rest of the story. The great news is if you get any rewards for how you lived as a Christian, if you invested your life and your things properly, you're going to get a reward. And the great news, the Bible says we get to take those things that we're rewarded from at the judgment seat and lay them at the master's. I want to be able to say when he says, I did all this for you, Scott, let's see what you did for me. I want to win something. I, I, I want to have some type of reward so I can lay it at his feet and show him I, I loved you enough to to, to work for you, to occupy till you, till, till you came back for me. And I want to have something. If you love the Lord, you want to have something to show for the life that he saved you in. And this person was faithful, and God, God said, look, you, you, you did good with a little. I'm going to give you a whole bunch. In verse 18, the next servant replied, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Verse 19, he said, well done. Same thing he said to the one who made 10 times profit. He said to the one that made 5 times profit. He didn't say, oh, man, look at you. You couldn't make 10 times like this other dude? This other dude, I gave him the same thing I gave. It, it was, it's not a comparison thing. This is where the devil gets church folk messed up. He gets you looking at what you're being blessed with versus what somebody else is being blessed with, what your talents are versus. Listen, it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing for the Lord. You have an individual mandate before God to Invest your life in kingdom business until he comes back. Because here's the reality. Uh, this guy, if you think in the natural, you know, you, you, you get, you get uh, your, your little piece and you invest it and you make five times profit back. Man, I'll tell you what. If my financial investor, if Fair Financial could make ten, five time investment for me, I'd I send him a fruitcake for Christmas. I'd be excited. Uh, but natural thinking to be like you know oh he come with his head held low because he didn't make 10 times like the other guy no he came with his head hang high because he knew he had did what he he did what he was told to do 
He invested it. Five times is great. Five times. Listen, talk to anybody in the investment world. Let me, let me tell you what they, they run spreadsheet uh, projections on when they try to tell you to invest in, in their product. They're hoping for a 6 to 8% return. You know why? Because any investor would be thrilled over the moon with a 6 to 8% return over the long haul. And this, this is a 500% return. This is huge profit. But, and he didn't get caught up thinking, well, I'm just not as good as the next guy. He did way more than I did. If you don't hear anything, hear this. You are not in competition with any other human being on this planet. Your life is not a competition for how much you can amass, acquire, uh, or run through. Your life, if you are saved, should be dedicated to doing what God called you to do. You invest what you have for the glory of God. If it grows, uh, uh, the Bible says some, some 10, some 30, some 100 fold. I, I don't know what your return is going to be, but I know we all have been given the same command to invest what we have for the Lord. This man got to hear the same thing that I want to hear, that every true child of God wants to hear when we stand before our king, well done. I want to please the one who saved me. He said, well done. You're going to be governor over five cities. Now, you know, I, this, this guy might have been thinking, whoo, man, I'm glad I ain't got to be governor over ten. This is going to be working hard. I'm just be sitting up. I, I get to take weekends off. Let's say I'm going too far with the minutia, but it's just how the movie's playing out in my mind. So let's, let's keep moving. Verse 20, but, you hear that transition? But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money. It said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. Okay, now here's the deal. If I give my money to a financial investor in one year, he makes a tenfold return, I'm over the moon. Uh, that, that's awesome. I've had years like that. If, if, if he makes a five-fold return, I'm, I'm, way, I'm still way over the moon. I'm thrilled with that, and I've had years like that. If he lets me know it was a tough year of investing, but I saved, you know, we, you didn't lose any money, I'm still over the moon with that. I'm still good uh, because, you know, that's a lot of increase over a three-year period, uh, and I'm happy with it. But, see, the master here is not happy with it. If your financial investor don't lose you money, you ought to be glad for that. If they make you money, be over the moon for it. If they start losing you money consistently, like your 401k, then, then you ought to realize there's got to be a better vehicle out there for, for me to put my money in. Uh, and we can talk about that later. But this dude did not lose the money. So he's like, hey. I didn't want to take any chances with it, so I decided instead of investing it, I'm just going to hide it so when you come back, I won't have messed it up. Okay? Well, that's not a horrible investment strategy. And, and, and there have been times in my life where I have pulled everything out of the stock market because I, I, I saw indicators that made me think, it, now's, the, now's the time to divest and, 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 and just sit on, on, on cash, and so, so the, the total doesn't go down. That is a, that is a legitimate investment strategy to uh, just hold it as it is. Um, but the problem is this dude ain't a financial investor. He's a servant to a king. He has a master, and the problem isn't that he lost the money because he didn't lose the money. The problem is he didn't do what he was told to do. He was told to invest this while I'm gone. Occupy, do the work of a banker, do the work of a barter, take this money and grow it. That's what he was told to do. Look at verse 21. He said, I was afraid because you're a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops that you didn't plant. Now, see, if you didn't know great theological principles of how to understand scripture at this point you'd be trying to wonder well why does he say God is a hard man to deal with when did God ever take what isn't his or harvest and crops that he didn't plant remember when I told you don't get bogged down in the details this isn't the main point this is just part of the story verse 21 um, verse 22 says you this this is the king talking you wicked servant the king roared your own words condemn you. 
if you knew that I'm hard. He didn't say he was a hard man. He said, if you knew I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvest crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. We're not trying to discern where God's hard and where he reaps what he didn't plant. That's not the point. The point is he gave a command. He gave something to this servant, and he said, invest this while I'm gone, and we'll settle up when I come back. The man decided he knew better than the king. The man decided, I don't have to do what I'm told. I'll work it out my way. Man, when I hear people, I, I always ask people, I meet people. I don't go tell them I'm a pastor. I just try to strike up a conversation about the Lord with anybody everywhere I go. And I ask them, are you saved? And people are like, well, anytime it goes to that, I'm like, oh, here we go. And people tell me, well, probably not in the way you considered. I got my own deal worked out with God. I know they've got a first-class ticket to hell. I just I have monopoly pop up in my mind right then. Because, you know, if you, if, 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 you, if you are six spaces away from the second corner on the Monopoly board and you roll a six, guess what happens to you? You go to jail. You go directly to jail. If you pull that chance card and it says, go to jail, go directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Y'all non-Monopoly players, y'all ain't with this. You don't want to get me on a Monopoly board, man. We, we, we play four or five days worth of Monopoly. Leave the board, take pictures of the board when we walk away so nobody go down there and mess with it. Y'all get Boardwalk and Park Place if y'all want to. I get them three green properties. You out of gas already. You, you're lost. Am I right, Rick? Them green? Hey, y'all, I ain't even, let's keep moving. My voice will be wore out. He didn't do what he was told. He didn't, and people, so many people are like, well, I don't follow man's religion. This ain't man's religion. Well, I'm not into the organized church. That's man's religion. No, Jesus set up the church. We're operating by his instruction book. This ain't, this ain't Pastor Scott Becker's church. This is the Lord Jesus Christ's church. We're not doing what I say. We're doing what he says. And anybody who thinks they got their own arrangement set up with God, they're in violation of what they've been told. Jesus is not looking for people to have their own set up with him. He's looking for faithful servants. But I ain't trying to serve nobody. I, I, that, that's demeaning to me. Well, you know, the Bible says if you humble yourself, God will lift you up. But if you refuse to humble yourself, he will humble you. Let's keep moving. He said, man, look, man, are you serious? You get, I gave you that. I told you to invest it. You didn't invest it. You could have had the, the easiest investment strategy in the world is give it to Do you know what your bank is paying you on your savings account right now? Do you wish 2%? It's between nothing and 0.7% at the highest banks, right? Less than 1%. Is what your bank is paying you. You know what that means? That means if you put $100 in your savings account and you don't touch it for 12 months, you made seven cents. Hallelujah. You didn't lose money. But you didn't, you didn't have to think about how you invested it and you didn't have to work at that investment. You just dropped it off in the bank and left it alone. And the master said, you could have at least done that. At least I could have gotten, you know, some seven, maybe eight cents. I could have got something out of this deal. But the problem is not what the amount of return was. The problem was the disobedience. He was told to occupy. He was told to invest because the Lord was coming back, and he's looking for a return. If you're snapping on me already, I'll give you the punchline right now. The Lord is coming back. He's giving you stuff, and he's looking for a return. Let, let, let's keep moving. What verse are we in? 23, 24. Then turning to the others standing nearby, the king ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. Now we got punishment. Now this dude's not hearing, Well done. You faithful in a little. I'll make you ruler over much. He, he's, he's hearing uh, that you're wicked. And take, take, that, take what he's got and give it to the one who has the 10 pounds. That's the one who had the most. Now, see, here, here's this little side note for all socialists. God is not a socialist. God is for social reform. 
but God is not a socialist. God is for social justice, but God is not a social justice warrior. God is for taking care of the needy, but God ain't for handouts. Because if God was a socialist, here's what he would have done. He would have said, okay, take back my $10, my $10 from that dude. I gave him all that money. He didn't do nothing. Take, take it back and, and, and give everybody a little piece of it so everybody have the exact same little piece of the pie. That's socialism. That's psychoism. That's bad failed economics. If you don't believe me, check out Venezuela and see how it worked for them or any other country that ever tried that foolish plan. God is a capitalist. God rewards those who are working. And he don't give to those who are not. You obey, you do what he says, he's going to bless you. The more you, the more you obey, the more he's going to bless you. He ain't just doling out equally <coughs> to everybody. He said, now see, this would just wreck. Oh, Bernie Sanders would lose his mind right here. Uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez would lose her mind right here. They want to take, take from the rich and give a little tiny piece to everybody so everybody can have the same. That ain't found in God's word. That's the failed economic policy that will not work. He said, take that money and give it to the one who obeyed me and, and got the best. Now, see, all the socialists in, in the room be like, I don't know if that's fair. Well, that just doesn't seem fair. Well, why should he have it? He's already got all that. Why should he get more? He's already got all that. Why can't we just take that money and give it to the people who are sitting at home not working already, using up benefits that we're giving them for nothing? Because that's what I think should happen. Let's just redistribute it equally among all the poor people. Well, ain't what God said. God said, give it to the one who obeyed me and did the best with what he had. This is a reward system. This is an obey and be rewarded. Don't obey and have it taken from you. Look at verse 25. But master, they said, here come the socialist. He already has 10 pounds. That's not fair. Did he do what God told him to do? Did he invest it? He didn't take no lazy strategy of putting it in the bank and getting seven cents on, on $100. He went out there and he did what he had to do to make the best return he could make. And he got the best reward. I want to tell you something. There's a work reward plan that America's turning away from. And they want to sit at home and reward plan. And that's a failed economic strategy. It's anti-Christian and it's anti-God. Well, I just want to sit at home and collect my check. Well, the Bible says if you don't work, you ought not to eat. And say, I believe in welfare. I, I, this country needs massive welfare reform. I believe in social justice. I want to see us take care of, of seniors. I want to see us take care of handicapped people. I want to see us take care of disabled people. I want to see us take care, and we ought to take care of them at the highest level. I, I want to see it. Listen, I did homeless ministry for years before Gail and I started this church almost 18 years ago, and every homeless person I ever met was homeless by design. And they'd tell me, and all of them had the same speech. They all laughed at my keys because back then I carried a big wad of keys with me. And every homeless person I ever did ministry, yeah, I used to have that. Used to have what? Big old set of keys like that. Had, I had a couple car, car keys on my ring. Had a house key. Had my office key on there. But now I just come and go as I please. I ain't chained down to all that stuff no more. Oh, so you just want to just lay back and collect a check at the house. Listen, here's the reality. We have a system in America where if you work hard, you can get rewarded. Stop blaming it on everybody else as to why other people got what they got and you didn't get any. Stop saying whose foot's on your neck and why you can't rise up because there's somebody from your neighborhood that looked just like you, that came from just a background that you came from or even more disadvantaged, and they did the work and they got the reward. This is God's system. This, this, this is how this, this country will allow you to be blessed. If you work hard, you can prosper. You, you know, it's, it's crazy to me. Listen, we have, we have people coming into our country. We have over a million people coming legally to our country every year. And do you know many of these people come in, and they open up store shops and businesses, and they blow up, and, and people are like, ah, could the government help them? Oh, could blah, blah, blah. Hey, listen. I know some of these people working 18 hours a day at the sandwich shop. First one there, last one to leave. If you're not willing to work hard and, and invest what you have for a massive return, what I say the theme of 2019 is take massive action. 
You better take massive action because you want to be in the 10 crowd, not in the no crowd. All right? Five crowd's okay, but the five crowd didn't get any compounded blessing because he wasn't in the 10 crowd. And so the socialists came up, and they all said, oh, man, this is whack. He already got 10 pounds. What about these folk over here? They got nothing. Verse 26, yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Mail that to Bernie Sanders. This is the word of the Lord. Okay? Now, the point that's being tried to be made is the king gave you something. He told you what to do with it. And he's going to have a reckoning for it. Where are you going to fall in? You're going to fall in at the high investor level? You're going to fall in at the minimum investor level? You're going to fall in, uh, I, didn't, I didn't make nothing out of it level. Let me tell you something, you, you don't want to be in that crowd. So what we've seen in, in this parable, because the Bible says we have these stories for our example, he, he, he told us what to do, okay? He, he, tell, he told them what to do, he's telling us what to do. In Luke 9, 19, 13, he said, occupy till I come. This is the word of the Lord. He called his ten servants, that represents all of us, he gave them stuff, and he said, invest it, be busy, occupy, do work with what you have because I'm going to come back and I'm going to take a record. I need you to hear me well this morning. God has given you gifts. God has given you talent. Everybody in this room has some measure of money, some more than others. That's not unfair. That's just it is what it is. No system in the world was ever set up for everybody to have exactly the same thing as everybody else had. You don't find that. You find Christians giving to help meet needs of people who are falling apart. That welfare is in the Bible. But it's never been set up on a, I just want to sit back and do nothing and be blessed. He's told us what to do just as he told them what to do. Get out there and occupy till he come. He called them and he's called you. He's called you to do something with your life. He's called you to be his. Listen, in, in Romans 1.6, the Bible says, um, you are the called of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that our God is so awesome, so great, and so merciful? He, he called us to be on his team before we even auditioned. He, 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 gave, he gave us access to him, and we didn't even have to write out an application. He called us. What did he tell his apostles? He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. The scripture says we love him because he first loved us. God's love for us is so great that he picked us to be on his team. That ought to be somebody you want to work hard for. That ought to be somebody you want to please. The Bible says that we should work hard to please the one who has chosen us. If you just want to sit back and do nothing, I question whether or not you love the master. I question whether or not you're faithful to the king. I question whether or not you really are connected to this great God who we call Jesus. Because if you are, you're going to realize he's done a whole lot for you. And you better do what he told you. To do Romans 8 28 says we're called according to his purpose. 1 Corinthians 1 9 says God is faithful by whom we were called to the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Thessalonians 2 12 says that we should walk worthy of God who's called you to his kingdom and glory. 2 Timothy 1 9 says that he saved us and called us with a holy calling. 1 Peter 2 9 says you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Uh, that's for real. Uh, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Has God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light? If you realize any of those things, you ought to have it surging through your spirit right now. He, he told me what to do, and he's called me to be in his kingdom. I need to be on the good side. If you don't want to be on that side, I question everything you say about Christianity, Luke 19, 13 says he called 10 servants, delivered them 10 pounds, and said to them, occupy till I come. This is the command of the Lord. Get busy living your life. That's why we're talking about taking massive action in 2019. If you want the world around you to change, you got to change. If you want better, you got to do better. If you want to see upward movement, you got to get moving up. Everybody gets caught in this trap of, well, I'm just waiting on everybody to treat me right. Stop that foolishness. 
You take massive action in your own life. You start doing everything you know to do. You start reading more scripture you ever read before, singing more praise and worship to God than you ever sang before, praying more to God. Invest your life in God's kingdom as he's commanded us to do. He, he, he called us to this thing. But not only did he call them to, to his kingdom, he gave them something. And if he gave them something, then he has given us something. And I want you to know, whatever good thing you have, God gave it to you. Your house, if you have one, is a blessing for the Lord. Use it for his glory. Your car, if you have one, is a blessing from the Lord. Use it for your glory. Listen, it, it, it might be a 1983 Ford Pinto with no AC, bad power steering, and only crank uh, two days a week. Those two days a week, you need to use that for God's glory. You need to learn how to maximize everything God has given you because there's a reckoning coming. There's, there's a judgment coming. And if you really want to please the one who called you, you've got to realize he's given. See, if you sit back and think, well, I don't have enough to be giving anything to God. We're not talking about money. The old church had it right when they talked about your time, your tithe, and your talent. You need to, you need to invest your time, your tithe, and your talent in God's kingdom and let him grow that. He's, not going to, he's going to grow it based on your obedience to invest. Now, if you just lay back, you're burying your gift like the wicked servant who had that taken from him and given to the one who did the most. 1 Timothy 6, 7 says, We brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. James 1, 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. We need to get more thankful for what he's given us. You need to sit down and do what the old hymn writer said. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. If we ever really sat down, now see, here's the, here's the reality. You could tell the truth about your life and make it sound like two different people's lives. You could, you, without ever lying, you could tell nothing but the straight-up facts and one sound like you're a sad sack selling a sad story. And on the other side of the coin, you could tell the truth and never tell a lie and make your life sound like you're so blessed and excited and, 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 and God has just favored you from day one. What, what story are you telling about your life? Where is your attitude? Do you have an attitude of gratitude or do you have stinking thinking? Are, are, are you caught up in the, I'm just mad at what I don't have? Or are you thankful for what you do have? Listen, pray for my children. They tell me they're hungry. I tell them, hey, there's cereal in the pantry. I mean, you better be thankful for that cereal. Well, we, there's no milk. Well, man, eat it dry. Eat, I mean, make it like a snack. Treat it like potato chips. Come on now. God, don't lie. Don't, don't, don't say you did if you didn't. How, how, see, I'm going to tell you what I do. I put, I put it in a cup and just eat it like that, shake it in the mouth. How many people ever eat dry cereal? Ain't got to have milk to have breakfast. Got milk in there, be thankful for it. It, 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 might, it, might be, it might be bad. Hey, smell it. If you, can, if you can stand the smell of it, you can drink it. You got to get to the real, realizing that everything you have is a gift. And you need to invest that. Don't sit on your gift. If you don't know what your gift is, you're surely sitting on it. If you're not investing your life in kingdom ministry, then you're not doing what he told you to do. And, and you're not taking what he gave you, and, and, and you're not investing it. When, when the servant in Luke, or when the master in Luke 19, 13 uh, gave them what he gave them, he told them something. He told them to invest this, occupy, be busy until I come back. I wonder, are you being busy with what God has given you, or are you just sitting back doing nothing with what God has given you? One is going to get you a well-done speech, and another is going to get you a wicked get-out-of-here speech. you got to decide which way. Uh, here, here's a principle that the, the Bible teaches the people of God have learned throughout all generations, and I want you to hear this well. God went with them. He didn't go for them. God will go with you, but after the cross, he ain't going to go for you. 
I, I, I was talking uh, to, to Dean about Scripture this week and talking about the way God makes provision and how we, we, we're so cared for in the early days. You know, if you study uh, when God's people left Egypt and went out into the wilderness, and they were following Moses, and there were millions of them, and they were in the wilderness for 40 years. It took them 40 years to make an 11-day journey. They had walked on a straight line. They could have got there in 11 days, but they went round and round and round and round, not doing what they were supposed to be doing. And, and that, that shows the life of many Christians. But while they were just coming out of their old life and coming into their new life, he was feeding them every day from heaven. Food was just falling on the ground. They didn't even have to do anything to get it. But if you study what happened when Moses put down the rod and Joshua took over leadership, when the people of God crossed over into the promised land, the manna ceased. And the Bible says they had to feed themselves. Listen, if you're new in Christ, if you're just now coming into your new life in Christ, God's just going to pour out on you, pour out on you, pour out. But listen, if you've been saved for any length of time and God's given you blessing and God's given you commandments, he's told you what to do, get busy with what he's blessed you with. Listen, that man ain't falling no more. He will go with you, but he ain't always going to go for you. He's not always going to do all the work. The Bible says, listen, when they went in, to the promised land, it was better for them, but it was more challenging for them. There was more wars. There was more battles to fight. There were more enemies coming at them. They had to do more work just to survive. But it was worth it. I'm never going to stand up and tell you, come to Jesus and everything in your life will get better and he'll flood you with all, all, everything that you need. Because sometimes you come to Jesus, things might get more difficult in some ways. But you come to Jesus, you won't die and go to hell forever. You come to Jesus, you'll have a relationship with the only real God that there is. You'll have an opportunity to invest what he's given you in his kingdom and hear him tell you, you did a good job. See, every real child of the father wants the father to be pleased with them. Jesus did a good job with what God gave him. God gave Jesus a life to lay down for us, and Jesus did it. Study the life of Jesus, you'll see in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went and prayed multiple times to God. He's like, uh. Oh, this is sounding rough, Father. If there's another way, man, I wish we'd do this other way thing, but I'm, I, anyhow, anyway, not my will, but yours be done. I'm going to do what you told me to do, no matter the pain, no matter the cost. Do you realize if, if you get around real Christians, they will talk to you about the blessings that God has given them? They don't need to drag you through all, all the hardship. If, if you don't know everybody's story, uh, pe people... People look at, at some of us now, some of us older saints that, that, that have been around for a long time. Uh, I, I live in a decent house. I live in a decent neighborhood. I drive a decent vehicle. But what, what y'all don't know is that for the first eight years of mine and Gail's marriage, first nine years of our marriage, we lived in a trailer on a dirt patch and walked through mud to get in and out of our cars. And, and, and we, we drove old cars. I, I drove a Mazda, I drove a used Mazda Protégé. You can't get no lower on the economy class car than that. It was the cheap, it was, it was the car that, it wasn't the best car that I could buy though. It was the car that would satisfy my needs while we saved money to buy our dream home. And we lived low, made good money, stacked it up so that we could pay cash for a home. You don't know everybody's story. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Start taking what you have and maximizing it. You're going to have this accounting one day. One day you're going to stand before the Lord. He, 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 he gave you a life to live for him. He told you to get out there and, and do it with them. Uh, I like what Norman Schwarzkopf, General of the United States Army, said, the general gets the credit, but the soldier does the work. We want God to get the credit, but we got to do the work. Now, thankful and unto God, he works through us, in us, and by us. He empowers us to do it. But you got to put some feet to your prayer, Christian. Some of y'all sitting back wondering when heaven's going to open up over you, get to stepping. Get, get to get busy with what God has given you. The Scripture says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not as men pleasers, but unto God. Take what you can do. Show up for prayer night. 
Sing when we sing praise songs to God. Read your Bible every day. Give the, you got to pay the tithe. You can't even give the tithe. The Bible says that tithe means tenth. That first 10% of everything you make, that God said that's holy to him and it belongs to him. You pay the tithe. Give an offering. Let God increase it. Start planting the right kinds of seeds so God can do something. Listen, take massive action so that you can get to where God wants you to go. I'm going to ask you this and I'm done. Because I don't even know that everybody in this room, and I'm sure that everybody's not, that you're even in, in the Lord's kingdom yet. That you've even answered his call to serve him. But I want to tell you something. Salvation is available, the Bible says, to all who would call on him. The scripture says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is calling for all of us to be in a relationship with him through his son. I hope you've experienced that. It doesn't matter what member you are of a church. It doesn't matter what, what your theology is. The big issue is, are you in the kingdom? Are you one of his servants? Or are you one of those people on the outside? You need to get saved for real. You need to get your life right with God for real. You don't know what day he's coming back. You need to be ready when he comes. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 says that we should walk worthy of God who's called us to his kingdom and to his glory. If you know that God called you to be in a relationship with him and you've answered that call and you're saved, you need to get busy investing your life in his kingdom. If you've never answered God's call for salvation, you need to do that today. We're going to have a moment of prayer right now, and, and, and we're going, here, here's what I want to do. There's two major classes of people in the room right now, people who are truly saved and people who aren't. And when, when, when I ask you to bow your heads, if you're truly saved, I want you to pray and ask God to help you get busy investing the things that he's given, your life and everything you have for his glory. If you're here and you're not saved, I want to pray with you that you can get truly saved today. Uh, bow your heads and pray with me. God, thank you for calling us to your kingdom. Thank you for having a glorious kingdom and allowing us to be partakers. God, I ask you to do your work your way in this place. With every head bowed and every eye closed, uh, I just want, if you're saved, I want you to just pray right now, and I want you to ask God to help you take massive action in 2019. If you're here and you know you're not really saved all the way, you're not sure that you that heaven is your home, that you're even part of this deal yet. I got good news for you. The Bible says if you'll call on the name of the Lord, he'll save you. The Bible says that because we've sinned, sin had to be punished. And God punished sin on the cross. And Jesus paid the price for our sin on the cross. And the Bible says if you'll believe that he died for you and rose from the dead, that you can have eternal life. The scripture says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you can be saved. If you're here today, and you're not sure about your salvation or you know you're not saved, I'm going to pray a simple prayer right now. I'm going to pray it out loud. I want you to pray it silently in your heart. The Bible says God can hear the thoughts in your mind. If you're not saved and you know you need to get saved, and you're serious about it. As I pray this out loud, I want you to repeat this silently in your mind after me. Pray this silently if you want to get saved today. Dear God, I believe in you, and I believe in your son Jesus. I know that I am guilty of sin. And I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for paying for my sin on the cross. Please save me. Make me a child of yours. Let me serve you all the days of my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you just repeated that, if you prayed that prayer or anything like that, and you, you, you called out on the Lord in your own way right now, and, and, and you asked God to save you, I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to go through all that today. But if you prayed that prayer with me to ask God to save you for real, if you just prayed that, uh, I, I just want to be able to rejoice with you. With no one looking around with me, if you say, Pastor Scott, I just prayed and I asked God to save me and I believe that he did it. With no one looking around with me, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and, and I believe God did it. Okay? All right? Okay? Okay? All right? Anybody else? 
All right, let's pray together. God, thank you for these four who I saw, God, and those who didn't raise their hand, God. I, I pray that you do your work your way. Help those of us who are truly saved, God, to occupy till you come back. Help us to invest our lives in obeying you and advancing your kingdom. We give you honor, God. We thank you for saving souls in this place today, and we thank you for waking us up that we might take massive action. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.